When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Another beautiful day here as we march closer to real football. But unfortunately for us, Matthew Collar with you, Judd Zolgad, that uh, we watched football and it was not real and it was very bad and it was very long and lots of things happened that we're going to talk about, Judd. And I have no idea where you want to start this day and this analysis of the Minnesota Vikings' glorious victory over the Seattle Seahawks at U.S. Bank Stadium. Where would you like to begin? Oh, wow. I mean, Russell Wilson comes to town. The Seahawks, man, where would I like to begin? Let's see. Where could I, because I oh, no. do enjoy, because I do enjoy chaos so much, and, and because this Vikings camp has basically had so little chaos can we start? Can we start with the kicking competition? Are you sure that you don't want to start with a breakdown of the bootlegs and the play actions and the, the missed screen pass? Oh, I mean, you know I want to talk about them all. <laughs> you know I love to discuss the missed screen pass, which, by the way, uh, week one through 16 has to be complete. Oh, like that absolutely. play has to work. Yep, absolutely. That, that play is there. Now, I did ask her cousins about that, and he said that not only do they want to run more running back screens, which I totally agree with and was a huge criticism of mine on John Filippo last year. Like, why aren't you making life easier on Kirk Cousins by having him throw screens to running backs who are generally pretty good on those screens? Delvin Cook and Latavius Murray last year, it makes a ton of sense. But to your point, uh, he said that basically he and Madison were not on the same page, that Madison thought it was going to kind of come right to him, and he thought Madison was going to keep running, and there were miscommunications kind of all over the field early in this game. Yes, there were. Some very disturbing, by the way, including uh, on that defense. one. On yes. defense, too. Yes, on both sides of the football. Uh, so here, here's my question, because I love the screen pass. I think the screen pass is instrumental, especially in 2019, but it has been for a long time, to the success of, of an offense. Um, but here's my question for you, because you watch Cousins not only in games, but in practice every day. And I'm going to make a statement here, and then you take my statement in any direction that you want, agree, disagree, sort of agree. Kirk Cousins' touch on screen pass to me, his touch for that pass, seems to be lacking too often. 
Would you believe if I told you, Judd Zolgad, that I have a statistic that tells us the answer to this question from Pro Football Focus? Of course I do. <laughs> it's Pro Football Focus. Uh, yes. 75% accuracy last year on screen passes. The league average is over 80%. So, yes, Kirk does have an issue at times with this, but a lot of their screens last year were wide receiver screens that I didn't necessarily think were always on time. Mm -hmm. Now, there was one in particular that I really liked that they ran with Delvin Cook as a slot receiver, and then it was kind of a bubble screen, and he almost broke loose for a big play last year against Detroit, but he got tackled. I mean, it was like really close. Make one block, and he's off to the races. So I tend to think that, yes, he can have some trouble with this particular play, but if he's still throwing it accurately enough on three out of every four screen passes to running backs – uh, th these are free yards. What Kirk said to me after, because I kind of followed up with, you know, why didn't that happen last year? And he just said, um, you know, these are easy yards for me if I'm throwing them to running backs. And I totally agree with that. Like, I don't think that John Filippo last year manufactured enough yards, enough easy yards for Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. And that play design, even though it did not work, that play design had Alexander Madison with about 40 yards to run with. It's a great play. If that works, it's fantastic. And if you get blitzed, it's a home run, basically. It's like guessing the pitch. If you get a blitz and the linebackers are clearing out, then yep. there is no one to tackle your running back. And that's just one of those things where we talk about setting up Cousins for success a little bit better. So against Seattle in this glorious number two preseason game and we are getting closer Stop and closer the to the end of it stop with the sarcasm because i hate preseason football it. more than you do it's so bad it's it was just there were so many things that were so bad and we'll maybe eventually get to holton hill but it was there were a lot of things that were just majorly problematic in this preseason game but I think there was also a lot of evidence that Kirk Cousins will still be Kirk Cousins. There was a third and long where he got a little pressure and couldn't really make a playoff schedule. But also, there were some throws deep down the field to Adam Thielen. Shot plays. Just launch it up to Thielen. And we've seen that in both preseason games a ton during training camp. So I think combined with a screenplay, which its design would have given him 40 yards if he hits on it, and then deep balls, if that's what they're going to do, if they're going to run screens to Delvin Cook and throw deep bombs to Diggs and Thielen as your sort of main basis of your offense, and yeah. then and then bootlegs that are easy completions down the field, like, yes, then Gary Kubiak has figured out some things that work. But, but that's not hard, right? No. But, like, mean, that was what we said last year continually. Why aren't you doing the, these things? More than why don't you run more? I think the question from us is why don't you do these things more? But the screen pass... If Kirk is allowed to throw that pass more, which he should be, I love that play. Here's my question. Does the touch then improve? Do, do we still, because because the one that they missed on tonight, I don't care whose fault that is, it can't be missed on. As you said, that's 40 free yards right there. Uh, the one thing that, the question I've got too, starting in week one, is this. These first two games, to your point, we have seen Kirk throw passes up uh, for Thielen in this case, but where he, where they're going to be contested, like they're dangerous passes. Thielen can make that catch. Diggs can make that catch. They're both that good. But when the games start to count, does he consistently still have that confidence to launch that pass? Because week two last year, Green Bay, he threw that pass, and Thielen made that catch. Philly and, too. And, we, but, and at that time, we all said, whoa. Well, if you can make that pass, that's huge. 
And then he seemed to get more and more concerned, and I don't know if afraid is the right word, but seemed to go away from that pass. So I'm very, I'm very curious, as the season progresses and the games become what you would think would be more and more important, if that play is dialed up, does Cousins have the confidence? Because with this receiving core, and especially those top two, Matthew, he has to. He should. If he continues um, to basically – can complete screens and those passes, the entire dynamic of this this offense, and I'm not trying to say that they become dominant, but it changes to a point where it's very comfortable and where you're going to have success. But here's the problem. He's going to get picked occasionally. Like, he's going to throw up that pass for Thielen or Diggs, and at some point in time, it's going to get picked. Does he come away from that and say, I don't care, bleep it, I'm throwing it next time? Well, that's or does he say, whoa, whoa, guys, that didn't work, I'm getting very worried? Because I think what happened last year, and Mike Zimmer more or less said this, is Kirk Cousins became much more hesitant when his head coach was criticizing him for the turnovers. When he said, Zimmer said that he sat Cousins down last year and said, look, a lot of people's jobs are on the line here. And this is kind of classic Mike Zimmer overreacting to things because the turnover rate for Kirk Cousins was not actually that high. They were noticeable. There were strip sacks that went for touchdowns or that ruined games that they couldn't overcome. And this is kind of part of the thing with Kirk Cousins is if you get behind, it's always tough for him to kind of bounce back from those things or come back until you're too far behind and then it's 22 to 6 and he gets 200 more yards that don't matter or something that's been kind of the trend but to your question can he do this the answer is yes he can because I've seen it in 2016 now that is one year and in that year he led the NFL in yards when down by two scores which is kind of typical for Kirk Cousins they had a bad defense in Washington that season but can he take risks can he throw deep there is a, actually a big variation between yards per attempt in 2016 for him when he ran this offense and what they saw last year. Last year it was 7.1 and he was like 24th in the league. He was third or fourth in the league in 2016 in yards per attempt. So if you tell him to do it, and this is kind of the fascinating thing about Kirk Cousins as a quarterback, is if you tell him to do something, he's going to do it. Yes. Right? So it's kind yes. of on you if you're well, – in a lot of ways, if you're Kubiak Stefanski, to get him to do the right things. And can they – but, okay, but let's say for a game or two out of three games, it goes wrong. Now Mike gets concerned, right? Yep, so yep, yep. Zim, So Zim goes to Gary and says, Gary, what's going on? Kirk's turning the ball over and, and we can't have this block. And, and Mike – when Mike gets upset, Mike does not hide the fact that Mike's upset. So – the question then becomes, if he goes to Gary and Stefanski and says, guys, what the hell can they say, Mike, we got it. Don't worry about it. I think with Kubiak, Because that's the big question to me. I think that's why Kubiak is here. I think you're right. Because but, but someone needs to be able to say, but we I got it. But I want to see it. But, like, I want to see it. I think you're right. And I think it's imperative that if Mike goes to Gary, Gary says, Mike, calm down. We're doing this. But that becomes the, Although, the key question to me. I would say that even though Case Keenum also had one of the lowest turnover rates in the NFL in 2017, Zimmer couldn't help but go to the podium and talk about how he was making too many risky throws yep. and about how he had a lucky charm around his uh, neck and so forth. <laughs> um, but overall, though, I think what we saw is what a lot of the games are going to look like, aside from the fumble, which Cousins just said was basically offensive linemen trying to get calls out too quickly and they weren't on the same page but yeah not butt sweat okay it was not it was confirmed it was not wait butt wait sweat. but go back so he said offensive linemen were trying to make calls too quickly yes 
And he, well, he didn't, I don't think he said too quickly, but he said they were trying to get the calls out and he was trying to get the ball snapped on a quick count. So they, those two things didn't match up. And that's what happened on the fumble. Did the sentence end with, I have to be better? Uh, no, it did not. But I thought I did not feel like, and, and, and no one has pointed these out more than me. I did not feel like this was a throw under the bus. I felt this was a very reasonable explanation. Someone asked what happened on the fumble. He said, well, I was trying to get the quick snap count, and they were trying to make a call at the same time. We weren't on the same page. Fair. And so he didn't say it was all their fault or anything like that. Um, Anyway, so I I guess – what we saw, though, in total, aside, throw that out. Let's assume that won't happen in the regular season. In total, we saw what the offense is going to look like, and we didn't see them put up two fast touchdowns or anything like that. We did see them hit on a big play. We did see them get a big pass interference, which we will discuss a little bit later. And, and, and I think your goal here, if you're the Vikings, is to run this type of offense where you're taking deep shots, you're running the football, you're running play actions, and you're running screens. It's very simple. Can you go from 19th in the league last year to 10th in the league? And then you've got a chance to be a very good team. And at this moment, from what I've seen, the accumulation of now a couple of drives and a lot of practices, a way too many practices, actually, Judd, um, I think that they can. What do you I mean? mean? I mean, I, I think it's the that NFL. They got to practice a lot. I know. Uh, thank goodness I'm not covering it in 1991, where it was, was going to say. Days. What would you have done when training camp started in Mankato on July? I know the seventh or whatever it used to be. Way too much. Way too much. So anyway, it's just. I, I think from what we've seen so far, and you have an entirely healthy team, which is an important note here at the moment, aside from Brian O'Neill, who I believe will come back, is that they have a very good chance at this moment. I just see so many things that we criticized last year that they didn't do, that now they're doing a lot more. So it's, it's not going to be perfect, and you're not going to have a top-five quarterback in the league. That's just not realistic. But the point is just you do have a shot at being a much better offense than last year, and that puts you in the race. Three series uh, in two games for the first-team offense so far. What is your confidence or takeaways from uh, the offensive line play? Well, I would say the run blocking in both games by the first-team offense has not been good. Um, Alexander Madison seems to be a very bright guy who hits the holes he's supposed to hit, and he has not gotten a whole lot. Um, He got his biggest run, I believe, when the second team was in, and with the first team in, it was a lot of two- or three-yard gains. And I know that Mike Zimmer would say, well, the two- or three-yard gains are okay as long as you break the big plays, but they haven't broken a big play now in two games, and I know it's only a couple series, but the one area where I am a little concerned is that left guard and Pat Elfline and how he's going to transition to that spot. Now, I know that he played that in college. This is not college. This is the NFL, and those guys on the other side are freaking monsters. And he was embarrassed on a couple of different plays from my eye, and we'll have to see you know, the tape. I can review it back. But for, from my eye in the press box, it looked like he was beaten badly a couple times. And my concern is that... After last year, taking a guy who was coming off of a bad year and then moving him to a different position is going to take some transition. And a rookie, 
I'm sorry, but the data will show you that rookies do not dominate unless it's Quentin Nelson, who's maybe the best guard prospect ever. And so, was drafted what two by the sixth Col- overall, yeah, so right? I mean, so little difference there. The interior of the line, and then you have Josh Klein, who wasn't all that great. The interior of the line remains a concern, and this Brian O'Neill injury to his arm does not seem super serious from the way that everyone's acting. However, if he has to miss time, then you're talking about Rashad Hill, who is nowhere near the athlete that he is. And I, I guess, and you're talking about Riley Reef, who has been dinged up in the past. And even when he's not dinged up, you're still talking about maybe the 25th best tackle in the league, left or right. Yep. Um, so I look at it as I'm not super confident that the offensive line is going to be a lot different. What they're going to need in my estimation, is Delvin Cook to make them look a lot better than they are. Which happens how, though? Like, I I get the the fact that he's a very talented player, and and he can pass protect, he can run, can catch. But I I would think that in fairness to him, especially with the amount now of really good interior uh, D-linement men around the league, I would think that that's going to be asking a lot un- unless the line can at least do its job in an average type of way. Yep. Like, I think you can ask Cook to do things, and occasionally he can. But I think if you put him out there and basically say, yeah, we're just not that good, go to it, I- I'm afraid that the results aren't going to be nearly what we would hope for. Well, this is one of the reasons why they need to hit on these screens to get Delvin Cook the football without having to hand it off. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be really important. And and actually, these guys might be at their best when they can have screens because Elfline can move pretty well. He was really good at that in 2017. John Filippo didn't utilize that. Bradbury is a very good athlete. Josh Klein is experienced in doing this. And even Brian O'Neill is a tackle, kind of the rare tackle that you could run on poles and things like that and get out there. I think that's going to be super valuable. But, you know, if you look at last year, Delvin Cook was able to break enough big plays that he still averaged 4.6 yards per carry with an atrocity of an offensive line last year. He broke tackles. He got yards after contact. He has special vision. I I think he can make up for some of it. But if you're expecting them to run for five yards of carry and just truck people. That's what I'm saying. I I don't think that's going to happen. And he's going to get hit a lot then, too. The way that's right. The way it's got to happen is he has to stay healthy. We know that already. But oftentimes. I mean, even Jerry Jones made the Zeke who joke because their backup running back looked so good the other night for Dallas Cowboys. I don't think we have that here. I think Madison is a, a good-looking player who can be in the NFL, but he is not Delvin Cook. And by, by the way, too, I think it was when he was playing with the first team in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken, Madison took a hit in which his knee basically got turned around. And it's by the grace of God, I don't know how he got up. But that's the type of thing, too, where if you have these breakdowns, you know, if Cook takes that, that hit, Matthew, I'm not positive he gets up. And the concern there then is, okay, does he miss a game? Does he miss four games? So th- there's just a level of protection that you have to provide him, I yep. think. And, and I guess after what I saw uh, in the game on Sunday night, I have concerns about that. Uh, well, and also I fully support Delvin Cook not being played. Oh, uh, God, I, I'm with I, you. I heard from some people that he looked – upset that he wasn't going to get a chance to play well guess what he shouldn't be because he should not be playing until it matters and it makes a difference but i would not play him in game three no i the rest of the starters play i would not play him at this point i I wouldn't say i'm going to give you the best chance to uh to go into the opener completely healthy you are not playing so i guess my answer to your question is tell me how delvin cook plays and and how healthy he is 
throughout the entire season, and then I could tell you how good this offense is going to be. It's rare in the NFL that it has to surround a running back in today's game, but I think because the fact that he'll have to make up for some offensive line shortcomings, that their offense is predicated on drawing people to him, and you combine that with the screen game as well, then uh, there are a lot of reasons to think that if they have a healthy Delvin Cook, they can be way better than they were last year. But if uh, Delvin Cook is injured or struggles, then I think the offense is going to struggle overall. Or, of course, it goes along with if Diggs or Thielen goes down, then say goodnight because there are no (laughs) other good receivers. Once again, we have another game where no one decides they want to step up. And the receiver we're talking about after the game has 37 yards. So uh, we'll continue to discuss that. But another night where just nobody on this receiving core wants to take that number four job um, away from – I mean, B.C. Johnson did nothing tonight except for get almost he killed. almost got himself killed. Yeah. Why, why he did not signal for a fair catch on that punt return, that was – that could have easily been poor B.C. being carried off the field on a cart. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was very close to being dangerous. Anyway, well, let's take a break, Judd. Let's come back, and I will give you your opportunity. The floor will be yours to discuss the kicking competition and the events oh. of Sunday evening. You know how excited I am right now? Uh, yeah, uh, it's disturbing how much <laughs> excitement you have, and I know you spent a lot of time at Dan Bailey's locker getting his analysis as well. So let's take a break. Let's return. We'll talk about the kicking competition and what we saw coming up later today. Sage Rosenfels breaks it all down. He's going to look in depth, way too in depth, at Kirk Cousins' performance against Seattle. No such thing, Matthew Keller. You're right. You're right. That's why we have Sage around. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Judd Zolged in studio here for uh, the next, oh, I don't know, 40 minutes or so. Judd, there's a kicking competition, and it was one of the thrills of my young life to sit next to you in the press box as you awaited what chaos would ensue at U.S. Bank Stadium. And, you know, there was a little, but not super much in this game. And now we continue to wait to see if it's Kari Vedvik kicking, Kari Vedvik punting, Dan Bailey kicking. Matt Weil punted the ball for some reason. I have no idea why. With 16 seconds left. What in the world is going on in your mind as we have a kicker slash punter or punter slash kicker in Kari Vedvik doing both? First of all, in all your years covering the NFL, have you ever seen someone do both in a preseason game? I don't think I have. No, that was fact, first I, for me. In fact, I saw the name of the last guy I think who who did it in a regular season game, and I think it was was it the early '80s or '90s. It's been, it's been 30 years or so. But I wondered if anyone had come across that did it in a preseason and I got cut or whatever. Don't think so. I don't re- recall that. And just to be clear, you know, this camp, and it, if you're the Vikings, you're thrilled. But it, this camp has been as mundane and boring as any Vikings camp I can recall. Like there's just. And this might not be a good thing, but there's no real competitions, right? The third receiver has been the big talking point, and that got boring, what, two days in? You're like, it's the third receiver. Yep. Um, so, so the fact that the Vikings, that Spielman and Zim introduced a controversy that did not exist a week ago, I'd like to say thank you. It's been fantastic. And you got to admit, on Sunday night, in our press box seats, side by side, it was comical to watch who was doing what on the sideline. It was. Were you was. not amused? At one point, Judd, uh, we saw Matt Weil hanging around the punting 
thing that they punt the ball into, the punting net, the yep. one that Odell Beckham tried to fight. The station, the punting uh, station, yes. So, so Matt Weil is sort of waiting for Kerry Vedvik to be done punting, and he grows impatient, and of course, we're watching this all while fourth stringers are out there playing, and walks all the way down to the other side of the sideline to use the other net, and then Dan Bailey starts using the net, and it was just like, oh my gosh. And Vedvik's like... This- so he he got um, cutting the the rookie long snapper. He took him off to the side to yes. snap to him. Yes. But the the best part is, Vedvik's like like he's like the chef who cooks everything. So he's like, okay, if I'm not uh, punting, I'll I'll work on my kicking, and if I'm not yes. kicking, I'll yes. I'll work on my uh, you know um, with the long snapper or the holder. So, but it was comical, amusing, and I think it's pretty crystal clear how, how this plays out, right? Like. Zim won't tell us, but I don't think it's a secret. I think on opening day, Bailey's your kicker. Yep. Vedvik is your kickoff specialist. Your your if we if they have a 55-yard field goal attempt specialist, and he's your punter. The only thing I can't figure out for the life of me is why is poor Matt Weil still here? Like he has as much a chance of being on this team as I do. I actually feel sort of sorry for the kid. Just just cut him tomorrow, and if he can catch on as a punter, that's great. But he has no role here. And this whole notion that, well, we're seeing and, and post game, Zim told us, he said that they're still waiting to see how this plays out. And I don't know if that means like Bailey could lose the job eventually. Now, Bailey made the only field goal tonight for the Vikings. I believe that he also kicked an extra point and then Vedva kicked an extra point. And then the best part about it was you're thinking to yourself, okay, any kicking situation is really important, right? Like, it's going to be a test. And Zim then decides after a touchdown to play the odds and goes for two. That was very strange because what Zimmer did is something that I would advocate a thousand times out of a thousand in a game situation. I know you In a real game situation. If you go up by seven, you go for two and you win that game. And and, and coaches blow this all the time. And he did. Because... Think about it this way. If you're up by seven and you can go up either by eight or nine, if you go up by eight, you leave the other team in the game. If you stay at seven, they'll kick an extra point. They won't go for two to beat you. Right. So go for two, get up by two scores. Mike Tomlin it's might actually. exactly right. It's exactly right what Zimmer did. However, uh, in this situation where who the hell cares because it's a preseason game, he should have let his kicker take a shot at it and then it was very weird though when Matt Weil punted um he they had a 59 yard field goal attempt and they could have taken it it would have made so much sense like let's see if this guy can just bomb him I saw him make a 62 yarder in the practice field and it was like a rocket taking off this guy kicking it and yet he didn't let him do it in a senseless environment that wouldn't make any difference at all. You're not rubbing it in by kicking it. You're just practicing well, something. Just tell Pete Carroll. I mean, right, he's, not gonna give, he's not going to give a damn. No, he's not going to be upset. Who cares? I don't know why they didn't do that. Um, but I am with you, Judd. It feels like Matt Weil, I don't know uh, why he's here, but um, he is. And, well, and he uh, cut his hand, right, yeah. against the Saints. But now that he played, did they have to have him play that's what so I'm it's want- very clear that it's not an injury settlement? That's exactly what I thought. That's Maybe the that's only it. thing I can think of. But the whole thing, it, it's its hilarious because they're trying to make it seem like, well, we haven't really decided yet how we're going to do this. And we're gonna, and I think it's crystal clear. Like, I don't think there's any – look, by week eight, it might be different. But for week one, it's really clear, right? It's going to be Bailey as the kicker. Yep. 
Uh, the kid as the as the punter. Vedvik, yep. Vedvik. Uh, BB's going to hold. Yep. Like, this is all. Yeah. I but, think, but they keep trying to act like, we're well, we, we're still not. We, yeah. We're still. But it's great fun because everything else, position-wise, battle-wise, is really pretty boring. So where, I'm enjoying this greatly. Yeah, where it only could get interesting is if Bailey goes into week one and doinks two field goals. And that is the only situation in which this could actually become interesting now. So there really isn't a controversy in my mind at this point unless Vedvik kicks for the first half or something, right? If Vedvik were to kick for the first half of the next game, then maybe we're talking about, okay, he is a part of this as an actual kicker. For now, I think that he is definitely leaning toward the punter. Okay, are, are you good? Are are you good with talking about that now? I think I am, but I really I, I really enjoy that. This is that. your wheelhouse. It's a great storyline. Um okay. So, let's talk about a little bit some some other players of intrigue here because to me, Mike Boone has always been a guy that has such interesting athletic gifts that I would want to keep him around I know you like him. because you see him make cuts and make change of direction and burst that is just beyond what other running backs can usually do. And another big play. It's like every preseason game that he's in, he comes up with some sort of big play. And I, I think uh, Amir Abdullah not playing, uh, D'Angelo uh, Henderson not playing. I, I think it tells us that they really wanted to get a look at Mike Boone. Depending, I don't know if it was Abdullah's health or not, but they really want to get a look at Mike Boone. And to me, he is the guy that should probably be the number three running back because of his upside. I think the Abdullah fumble against the Saints, you can't have that. Like he didn't, he didn't get stripped of the football. It, it wasn't a play where, where he was trying to, to get some extra yards. He dropped the ball, right? Zimmer, I think, has, and, and in this case, I'm going to agree with him completely. Zero patience there, and so I think when when you have, have a guy who uh, potentially is going to be a backup back, who ball security becomes extremely important and might return punts, and, and he drops a football, that makes your roster choice pretty simple. But yeah, Boone's a nice player. He's a smart player, and and if he's the third guy and a special teams guy, absolutely fine. Yeah, he was definitely a guy that shined to me. Um, Irv Smith got a chance to get in the end zone, which nice for Irv Smith, but I think we continue to say about Irv Smith, do not set your expectations super high, and to see him get the ball mostly on these underneath sort of routes, I, I – I think that that's what they're going to do with him. They're going to bring him in. that's fine, right? Oh, absolutely. For a first-year tight end, that's fine. But they're going to bring him in as the number two tight end, and they're going to sometimes put him in the slot, sometimes outside receiver, Mm -hmm. and they're going to do the best they can to work him the ball here or there and hope that he can break something yards after catch. But I think what you saw on Sunday night against Seattle is more or less what you're going to see from Irv Smith. Like, if you expected him to come in and just start running go routes down the (laughs) sideline or something and be this vertical Travis Kelsey type of Gronk threat or something. I mean, mean, we've been saying it, and I think it confirms that that's probably not going to be the case, but he could still be just an extra weapon for Kirk Cousins. And I think this was a good sign for him to show a little bit of progress, get in the end zone, help his confidence a little, since it seems like he's been struggling at times uh, to pick things up. So, from from that aspect, uh, probably a, a good thing for Irv Smith, but nothing beyond Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs in yep. this preseason so far, yep. or really in training camp in general, has made you go, "Wow, there's a new weapon!" Like about him or anybody else. And and the Irv Smith thing, I, I think, is actually really really smart. If this is a slow build, that's exactly right. 
That is exactly right. And, and you've basically been um, emphasizing caution on Irv Smith since the day they drafted him, and that's the smart play. Introduce him playbook-wise to what you think from day one he, he can do well, build off that. The worst thing that you could have done was, was say, oh, my God, we have to have him uh, force-feed him this and this and this, right? Yep. And Kubiak's a smart guy. We've seen that He's fail been around. so many times with Exactly, and that's how you ruin people as well. Yep. So if you're going to say, hey, for, for the first – Half of the season, we're going to give him, let's say, 25% of the playbook, and that's it. That's a great move. That's fine. The interesting dynamic, too, is is schematically, and with Cook not playing, this also becomes part of the question, Matthew, is what have we seen so far? Like They did run a, a jet sweep tonight with Thielen, which surprised me, or in this game. I would prefer you not. Yeah, which, I was, which really did surprise me because I'm like, okay, that's a good play, but one, why put that on tape? Right? And two, why in the preseason game two? Heck, why in preseason game three? So so as far as the introduction of new elements offensively and what the scheme is going to be, I think there's a lot that we're yet to see. And really, the more creative that you get in these games, it almost surprises me. I'm not saying don't do it in practice. That's fine. But preseason game-wise, I would stay away from, from anything, one, that shows something on film, but more importantly, two, that does something with a player that I, I value beyond belief, i.e. Diggs, Thielen, and Cook. I don't want to do anything. I don't want them getting up with the hangnail, Matthew. I, I have a guess. And my guess is that a lot of teams are using jet motions to throw off defenses. Sure. And the way that Anthony Barr described this to me, those motions where the receiver is coming behind the quarterback and they fake handoff or they hand off to him, is it's sort of like throws you off for a second, like with your eyes. So you have to make an adjustment really quick if you're a linebacker. And Anthony Barr does this in general very well. So does Eric Kendricks, but not all defenses do. So if the Vikings put this on tape a little bit with Thielen, this is my only explanation, and it's a it's a bad excuse because I wouldn't want Thielen playing. I think he's fine. We see him. He, he doesn't play for, what, eight months He's practicing. The first throw to him against New Orleans, he catches down the sideline. Unbelievable. Well, I would have been done with him at that that, point. Okay, all right, put him back on ice until they actually play. I didn't need to see him tonight. But I think that that's maybe the reason, because those jet motions, you want them on tape. You assume that your opponents are going to look at the preseason tape before you get out there. I don't know. I don't agree with the usage at all. Like after you send him deep once, okay, he's still alive. That's fine. The problem Uh, problem with guys like uh, Diggs, Thielen is they're going to go up and try and get every ball. Oh yeah. So like the yep. contested balls, where I would almost prefer they're like ah uh, you know not not Pass. tonight. Yep. Not in this game. Uh, they're going to try to get every one of those, and they go up, and I'm like ah it's not worth it. Speaking of which, Judd, how pessimistic are you? Let's do uh, one to nineteen because yeah. that's uh, Adam Thielen's number. One yep. to nineteen scale. Yep. How pessimistic are you about the rules? And the pass interference challenges, how much of a bleep show could this end up being? 1 to 19 scale. For the first quarter of the season, which, by the way, in the NFL is a lot. It certainly is. 18. I think that there's no definition here. I think there's no clarity. Zimmer said postgame basically exactly that, that he doesn't know. Coaches don't know. I would, my thing, the conclusion personally, if I was the league, I would call the coaches conference call them all in on monday morning or so and say here's the deal unless it's 
Saints, Rams, bad. Don't challenge it. Yep. We're not yep. giving you any. There's. We're not changing any judgment call that's close, even if it's wrong. We're yep. not changing it. Yep. Unless it, it, it is your guy, Nicole Roby Coleman, steamrolling a guy. I mean, just where it's so blatantly obvious that we are not going to change it, so don't try. Because we're getting now, and here's the problem, and we saw this tonight on a play with the Vikings on offense. Thielen catches a ball, and this is going to happen a lot. Seattle challenges for pass interference on the offensive side. Yes. Which is also, uh, I think, a curveball that the league probably gave brief thought to, but but very brief. So we're going to get like these 50-50 flags being thrown, which is going to tempt officials in some cases to overturn calls. This is why I'm telling you my whole thing would be, unless it's so egregious that you know it gets changed, do not challenge it. Because so, this is gonna be this is gonna be a bleep show, Matthew. If, if I'm a head coach now and I give up a fifty yard pass, I'm challenging if there's anything, if there's any shot, if there's a ten percent shot, I would gladly take that chance to get a fifty yard play reverse. And I think that's what Pete Carroll was doing on that play to Thielen. I yep. think he was saying, Well, okay, there's a forty yard ball, so let's just see if this works. Let's see if he did anything wrong and they're gonna go back and look at it. Well he didn't do anything wrong, but there probably are cases in which, well, it looks like he did something. So I I tend to agree with you. I'm a little nervous about this and how it's gonna look and I'm especially nervous and, and I've been for this in general, but I I wanna the right rollout. I don't want to just be for it to be for anything they do with it. I want to be for it for them rolling it out properly. And at this moment, I think overall they've done a decent job of getting calls right. There's only been one time where I saw it tweeted out like, oh, this looks really bad. And the referees had a good explanation for it. They didn't have the camera views, which I think is totally fair in the preseason, right? But um, I, I, I think that they do have to make it extremely clear with all the challenges that they've had from the preseason and say to the refs and say to the coaches, this is the only thing we're doing. Right. So like, for example, when the cornerback for Seattle grabs BC Johnson by the back of his Jersey yep. and rides the back of his Jersey all the way down the sideline and the throw comes his way and he can't catch it. Well, that's pass interference and you could throw the flag because we just missed that guy grabbing and holding all the way down. But anything short of that, arms getting a little tangled or whatever else, it better be a homicide. And I'm not sure if they're there yet. They're not. They're not. And Mike said post game, I didn't know. So he didn't challenge that. And that was clear cut, right? Very, that one oh, was clear much, cut, but he much. doesn't know. But this is the problem. Nobody's been given clarity. The league again... I, I honestly think that this probably gets cleaned up a lot by, by let's say, mid-October. But I think, you know, four games, five games in a National Football League season is a ton of games. I think we're going to have indecision and we're going to have um, challenge flags thrown. And, Matthew, imagine what happens. The first three, let's say three, five Hail Mary passes are all going to be challenged. There's interference on every oh, sure. every yeah. Hail Mary pass. Yep. Somebody's grabbing somebody. So are they going to basically be like, no, 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 we're not going there uh, in one game. And then in a different game, they're going to say, well, we saw a guy do something. So I think this is completely set up to be a cluster bleep and it's going to take time and they could make things a lot easier on themselves today if they called the coaches together and said, it had the the starting point has to be as you said an on-field mugging okay Zolgad let's take a break when we come back 
showcasing the art of showcasing I love someone this man. who is on the trade block. We'll Big be fan. right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. All right, final segment with Zolgad. Sage Rosenfels coming up in just a few minutes to break down the performance by Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense and more. Uh, that in a few minutes. But Judd, Mike Zimmer following Sunday night's contest at U.S. Bank Stadium. It, it certainly was a contest. Two teams showed up in jerseys, and they played sports. There was a definition of a contest. Somehow there were sports played in that game. Um, Mike Zimmer said that they were showcasing Laquan Treadwell, which, A, hilariously undercuts what his general manager has said in multiple interviews that they are not trying to trade Laquan Treadwell. So it totally confirms that. Also, I mean, what? How loud can I laugh at this? What? showcase a guy who has played for three seasons and has done nothing i mean what showcasing i i, I feel like playoffs practice <laughs> showcasing he's in in the fourth bleeping quarter how are you showcasing someone who's in the fourth quarter hey, of a preseason game that makes no sense whatsoever and is hysterical don't forget he played he got some first team second series snaps matthew yeah, collar he blocked twice he blocked yes. a couple times you are showcasing um, someone who has played for three okay. seasons and is known as one of the biggest busts in the league you i think other teams are going to see him catching passes from kyle Slaughter and be like whoa something there i want to break this down in a little game called why did Zim do it, okay? Because Mike Zimmer, God bless him, he's fun to cover. And, and there are a lot of moments at which he can't help but speak the truth, right? Like for an, a football coach, he gives you a lot compared to most. But he doesn't always give you a, a lot. Case in point, he knows what's going on with the kicker thing, right? He could very easily come out and be like, are you watching this? Right. Bailey's yeah. my guy. But okay. But he doesn't do that. He play he plays the Rick game of let's keep him, let's attempt to keep them in the dark. So is he just so sick of Treadwell that he desperately wants him cut? Because basically, yeah, you're right. It's clear that the coaching staff was told in the fourth quarter, get Treadwell in that game and showcase him. And Mike, when he told us that and used that word, which is a great word, when he used that word, it was crystal clear what he was doing and that also means now i'm sure rick's mad because spielman tells mike i was going to get a sixth round pick from the giants for him and now i can't because they know he's being cut what's your working theory though on why mike almost certainly on purpose yeah told us that that a guy was being showcased and back to your point cut his gm yep. trader rick off at the knees yeah that's a weird one i think he just wants treadwell gone no, that's what I said. I mean, that, that's just it, wants right? him cut? Like, yeah, I think he just wants it over with. And if basically he was saying, uh, yeah, everyone, reports are real. He's on the market. Come get him. Please, for the love of God, someone take him away from me. I mean, they have got to be so tired. <laughs> and, and I feel bad a little bit for Laquan because the guy works really hard and it just hasn't worked out and he's not good at football. And that's kind of where we're at. Right. And I don't foresee the Giants or someone else picking him. If it was the Giants, they would have him by now. Um, sure, they, I'm just they throwing them out him. as an example. But, but you know what I mean. If the yeah. Jags wanted him or something else or whatever other scenario, then sure. Um, you know, maybe he'll go somewhere else and become somebody's number three receiver, and maybe he'll put up better numbers than he did here. I don't suspect that he will. Um, but I, I think if you're Zimmer, 
you're probably really worn out on this thing. Like, you're done with him. You knew you were done when Chad Beebe played over him in Week 16. It was over then. And because of the salary cap situation, it was like you might as well bring him back. Because if you cut him, it saves you almost nothing. So bring him back, play him in camp, hope somebody gets interested when a receiver gets hurt, trade him away. I totally understand the logic. I'm just saying that if you think some other team is going to come looking at your fourth quarter tape and go, I see something there. We should take him. They're going to take, they're going to trade for him or not. And so far they've been trying to trade this guy since the combine. And the answer has been no from all 31 teams. So I don't see why they think that all of a sudden after this, that everyone's going to be interested. If someone's got an injury, they might take him. but it looks like probably not until he gets actually cut. Although here's the funny thing. No one wants this job. Nobody. The third receiver job? It's amazing. No one wants this job. I mean, they're they're running a jet sweep with Jeff Bidette. He nearly gets his head taken off. Brandon Zilstra gets 37 yards. It's like he's Jerry Rice out there compared to the other guys. B.C. Johnson flashes a little and then gets no catches tonight. I, I mean, th- this crop has been very sorry, I would say. How's B.B. doing in your past, mind? Uh, I think he's doing fine. I mean, in, in camp practices – he made it very clear from day one he was the number three. Right. And there's been no debate. So I'm not worried about a couple series for him. But all the rest, I mean, I, we're getting to the point where I think you're going to have Thielen, Diggs, BB, and maybe BC Johnson, and then somebody else. This year's Aldrick Robinson. They'll sign somebody else because this is just bad. And when Dylan Mitchell, who is very gifted, is out there in the fourth quarter, doing kick returns. Yeah, that, yeah, that's not good. I mean, it's just, okay, that one's over too. So yep. it's not a great situation, and you could almost see them go through the first round of cuts and Laquan stays, and then he gets cut like five days later or something when they find somebody else. You could see that. Or, they're showcasing him. Come on, they're, they're going to yeah, trade him for a second-round pick. Or, I'm sure they're convinced I believe of it. also in week two, after week two, yep. that veteran contracts are no longer guaranteed. So if you wanted some veteran who's out there Pierre Garçon didn't sign anywhere, for example. You would have to wait a week and then sign him because teams are like this so it's not guaranteed for the rest of the year. So I don't know. I mean, I just couldn't help myself but have an outburst at the idea of showcasing a player who's been around for three years. you got to love a coach, though, that comes out in his postgame press conference and does that. Oh, of course. I thought it was just fantastic. I, I have noticed this about Mike Zimmer. He has decided that this year he is using the media for his messages more than before. I think before a lot of times it's been like accidental sure. that his messages have gotten out through himself honestly answering questions with like maybe too much honesty. But calling out the defense in the practice and things like that. I think that it's it's very clear that he's decided to well, this is clearly give those Mike, messages out. Mike being Mike, it's very clear that, that he knows the pressure is on for this uh, coming season. So I think he is probably of the mindset, I'm doing it my way completely. Oh, yeah. And if Rick's on board with my way, that's awesome. And if Rick's not, that's still awesome. Yep, I'm doing it my way. I agree. And we'll see as we go along if there is – I don't know, more comments that sort of point to that, hey, you're on your own now, buddy. It's every man for himself when the pressure's like this. So, all right, Zolgad, we had a kicking competition. We had a, well, hold on a, a, a preseason wait, wait. game. There's got to be something you, else, right? I know that you won't discuss it or, or oh, at, I'm not at least talking about it. write about nope. it. Nope. 
But if we could please, Sean Manning is fine. If we could please talk a little bit about the performance of one Kyle Slaughter, who does not. I mean, Sean Manning is is your backup quarterback. This is the Joe Montana of the exhibition (laughs) slate. Okay, this is. You could tell me all you want about how he struggles in Egan. I don't care. You know what, Dan Bailey. And Slaughter are awful in Egan, but you know where they're really good? Preseason games right here at US Bank Stadium. Okay. <laughs> yes, they are against they, other third teams. I don't need your I don't need your analysis uh, in this case of Egan practices when I can come here and watch Slaughter light up defenses. And I want to make it clear that Kirk Cousins said to uh, me uh, three feet away from me that he would have made the same throw as Sean Mannion because that was a pick six because BB saw something else. Got a different look. So that was on BB? That was on, well, you, we always want to blame somebody, but I think there was probably a good case, and this is where the All-22 coaches film would help, um, but I don't have that for preseason. So there's probably a good case for what BB saw to okay. sit down in the zone because okay. they were playing a zone. So it would make sense for him to just stop and be wide open and get seven yards. But Mannion believed that he was going to keep going because of how the zone must have looked to him, and Cousins said that he was – trying to go through the play himself as it was happening and was thinking throw it there and probably would have made the same throw so if you were that doesn't give me a lot of confidence right there because the great ones don't make that throw But if you were freaking out well everybody throws picks on on mishaps like that so if you're freaking out about Mannion throwing the pick I don't think that's something they looked at and went oh god no Mannion is the number two now Sloter's made a case for keeping him Yes. I think that is what you could say is continually going out and performing well in these preseason games is the case to at least have him on the team. And I think if I do a 53 right now, I've got him on there, but he's not ahead of Sean Mannion. No, no, no. But if if Sloter gets cut off his preseason tape and film from these two games, he gets signed very quickly by somebody. He definitely would. And I would also say uh, the Jake Browning era was fun, but it's over. I mean, he couldn't get in the game tonight. Practice squad, though. I don't know. Does he get through? I think he probably would get through. I don't know if they're going to waste their time with that if they have three quarterbacks. Interesting. I mean, he's they just... They paid him a pretty just, penny to sign with him. But, you know, they've paid wide receivers 100000 oh, before. Just quickly, too. Holton Hill. They, they spent 100000 on napkins. What oh, hell? yeah. Holton Hill's like, you know what? I really like him as a player. I think he, is, he impressed me in 2008. Very talented. But what are you doing? Just goodbye. On Paxton I, Lynch? I've got no more patience for him. But that yeah. was a stupid – I mean, that is – the NFL should take take the play on which Hill put his helmet into Paxton Lynch's helmet basically tonight and got ejected, rightfully so. The NFL, that could be their their teaching film. Yep. Like it was like yep. a – it was like they said, hey, Holton, do this so we've got some teaching material. Yep. To me, this is strike seven, getting ejected from a preseason game. Yes. You have weed at the combine. You've got PEDs. You've got more weed. There is no purpose whatsoever to have this person around. Just move on. And maybe as soon as Chris Boyd is 100% healthy because he didn't play tonight, um, which I thought he was going to, but he didn't. So – Maybe when he's back to health, if that's what they're looking for, then they could just cut Holton Hill. I'm done. When Matthew Collar, when Matthew Collar draws the line on the weed guy, because you are the weed scout, well, basically. I still always think, sign the weed guy. I still think an undrafted guy that you got that played half a season for you, yes. essentially worth of snaps last year. You will, you won, you won that. But now I'm done. I, I, you got nothing tied into the guy, and see him. So anyway, well, good stuff, Judd. Uh, we'll Thank be, you. We'll be doing this intermittently uh in the future so i'm not sure it's gonna be back it's always weird scheduling with things going on but you know 
uh, and we'll be at the fair at the end of the week. So there will be plenty of Zolgad in your life, I'm sure. Uh, when we return, Sage Rosenfels gives his analyses of Kirk Cousins and the offense, and we'll talk a little bit more with him about Sloter and what he thought and that play with uh, Sean Mannion. We could get the journeyman's breakdown. All right, uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. 